Hi, everybody. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Mystery Bible on Podcast. I'm so happy that you're here and so excited for what we have for you on this episode. I think you're absolutely going to love it. There are a few um, uh, a few exciting things about this particular episode. This is the first time we all three co-hosts that you have heard are co-hosting together. So you have myself, you have Brian Brown, and you have Dan Rundio, and we're going to be talking together about a really fun topic. And the topic, if in case you didn't read the uh, title when it was uploaded, is Introduction to Extraterrestrials. Now remember, this is from a biblical perspective. So if you are uh, freaked out by that topic or just think, oh, what are these? Guys, what have these guys gotten into? Give it a shot. Listen through the topic and I think you'll find that there's a lot here. Most of you, if you're here and you've made it through this many episodes, I'm guessing are more excited than freaked out. And I can tell you that uh, we are definitely excited to discuss this. Um, I'm not going to introduce Brian and Dan. I uh, just want to give the, the first of all, thanks to the audience, those of you who have been listening and engaging and just making this so much fun. We're doing this for you and for the fun of it. We're doing it for the glory of God, for the edification of the church. All of us co-hosts here tonight have, have uh, served from behind the pulpit at different times. And I just want to remind you that we take the pulpit very, very seriously. We take this podcast also seriously, but differently seriously. We'll say and discuss things here that we wouldn't necessarily discuss this openly from behind a pulpit. And part of that is because we know we have a pretty curated audience here. We know we're not spiraling anybody into a faith crisis. By the way, if anything we say does feel like it's spiraling you into some kind of crisis, please reach out and let us know. I think I can speak collectively for all of us and for many of our members, and we're seeing it as people engage in the Telegram group and other portions that for so many of us, exploring these things, putting them on the table, taking these tough, strange topics and putting them against scripture has, if anything, redoubled our faith, strengthened our faith in scripture, opened, put whole new exciting lights on things and made scripture more applicable, not less to everything we do. So I hope that's your story. And that's part of why we're uh, focusing on these kinds of topics in particular. So please continue to tell your friends, post us on Facebook, share us on social media. It's a great conversation starter. You'll have more fun and interesting conversations with people when they realize you're open to talking about things that are sometimes otherwise off limits. Um, please uh, let us know what you think. Join the Telegram group, or you can email us at mysterybibleon at gmail.com. Someday we'll go into explaining to you what the story is behind Mystery Bible on, and we've kind of kept that in our back pocket. We'll do that on a special episode uh, in the future. So Brian and Dan, go ahead and uh, introduce yourselves. Maybe Brian, why don't you introduce yourself first? Anything you want to preamble to this topic before we actually get into the meat of it, and then we'll give Dan a moment. And then I've got a few, uh, just a few introductory questions to kind of orient everybody to where we are. Okay. Thanks, Joel. Yeah. I, uh, Brian Brown, obviously I've been on this podcast before and I'm, uh, I'm a computer guy for my day job and don't nobody needs to get into the details of all that but i was serving as a lay pastor at a church uh, with joel and dan and really had a passion for preaching the, the word and really getting into the details of what scripture actually says and apologetics and worldview have always been a big area where i have been super interested and really liked to dive into that and one of the things that 
I've noticed over the years is that C.S. Lewis made a comment about what he called chronological snobbery, where everything in the past is always not as good, not as smart, not as intelligent, not as well thought out as the things that are going on today. So every generation always looks at the past and says, we're better than they are. They didn't really understand. We see that dramatically in our culture now where, you know, the different types of political meanderings and fights, they will find a tweet that somebody made 15 years ago and then basically tear down their whole life because there's no no ability for that person to grow and learn and become different or forgiveness. But in the Bible context, it's a huge problem because when they discovered the Ugaritic texts in the late 40s, started translating things and see these stories about the great worldwide flood and about being divine beings that were part man and part part God and all of these things, the critics always say, well, everything that came into the Bible, they just stole it all. The Ten Commandments were Hammurabi's code and on and on and on. And that it can't have its own power and truth that comes from it. But we know that's not the case. So as we look at all of these things that we're going to talk about today, that's in the forefront of my mind in terms of what truth really is and how arrogant we can be when we look back at things and just dismiss them out of hand because it doesn't fit our current cultural narrative. Brian, I think that's a a, a really great um, orientation in terms of how we should be thinking about these. I also want to point out that part of why this podcast is so relevant you mentioned the late 40s. Well, you know what else was discovered in the late 40s is the Dead Sea Scrolls. And you, and and both of those, the Ugaritic texts and some of these others, means they weren't really translated effectively and they weren't really available to the general public with decent scholarly content in many cases till the 80s, 90s. And some of this stuff is coming out just in the last few years. So this is extremely interesting stuff and extremely relevant and really affects the church in big ways and wasn't available a hundred years ago. The church didn't have this content. And the other thing that was started to become a big deal in the late forties is tonight's topic, extraterrestrials. And one of the things that you need to understand as a person who goes to church and believes your Bible, if you have commentaries on your shelves that were written before about 15 years ago, they guarantee you they will not contain a lot of topics relevant to what we're talking about because like he said the scholarship wasn't done and the scholarship flows down into the things that we go to the christian bookstore and buy so that's something that you need to take into account if you think well i was reading this commentary from 1975 by so-and-so that i really trust he doesn't say anything about this well there's there's a lot of good reasons why that is it doesn't mean that that person wasn't a good scholar it doesn't mean that they weren't doing the best that they possibly could to translate the Bible and make make understanding of it as well as they possibly could. Their motives were good and pure, but they just didn't have the information available to them. Right, exactly. And what we're trying to do is help the church body synthesize some of this new information and recognizing in the humility that there will probably be more information coming out. We're going to be wrong about some of this, but we do think it's relevant to the church. We'll talk about that in a minute. Before that, uh, Dan, why don't you, uh, if you don't mind, introduce yourself. And I want, I'd love for you to jump off with the just the question of the topic of extraterrestrials. This is a weird topic, and I think you have a really good 
journey to share with anybody who is thinking, anybody out there is like, seriously, why are we talking about this absurd concept? If you could kind of share your journey in this topic and, uh, and, and kind of how your thoughts have evolved as you went from knowing very little about it to actually exploring it, doing the research, catching up to speed, reading about it, and then really thinking about it vis-a-vis the biblical context, talk about the journey and anything else about yourself that you think is helpful to get things oriented here. All right. Yeah. Uh, thanks, Joel. As, as Brian said, the three of us have been uh, elders, pastors together at a church and, and had the privilege of preaching together. And we all take, take that very seriously. We take the word very seriously. And so, you know, throughout my life, I've, I've taken the Bible uh, as ultimate truth, that Jesus is the ultimate answer. And, and at some points, um, you, you realize that your understanding of, of the Bible is limited. You know, you hopefully fairly early on, you realize that the Bible and God is much bigger than, than we can grasp. And so the more you, it's almost the, the truth of getting older, right? The more you know, the more you realize you don't know. And it's certainly true with the Bible. There's, there's some very clear truth about, you know, that Jesus is, is the way, the truth, and the life, that Jesus is the answer, that Jesus died and rose again and forgives us of our sins. None of that's being called into question, but there is a lot of other stuff that you, you see in uh, Sunday school flannel graphs or that you hear uh, preached on a Sunday morning or not preached on a Sunday morning, right? A lot of these verses that if the passage was preached is probably skipped over on a Sunday morning. And and there's a lot of room there to, to dig in and, and get more answers because anything that the Bible is even alluding to a little bit is interesting and it's in there for a reason. And so um, I guess I'll launch in then to the answer of the question of, of my journey on this particular topic. Uh, you know, I grew, grew up in the church and aliens were never really talked about. And it was kind of seemed to be understood that that they just weren't a thing and they weren't something to talk about and they were just made up and uh, that if if aliens were a thing you know or, or the, the world's perception of aliens was uh, something that was distracting from the biblical narrative and uh, and this idea that the Bible didn't mention aliens, so therefore they don't exist. And we'll, we'll get into that, uh, the, the problem with that argument in a bit. Um, but I kind of just went through life thinking, oh, well, of course they don't exist because the Bible doesn't say they exist. And uh, interestingly, quite a few years ago, one of the turning points was I read a C.S. Lewis trilogy uh, with Out of the Silent Planet. So there's three books in that, Out of the Silent Planet, Paralandra, and That Hideous Strength. And these are fiction books. They're, they weren't meant to be apologetics books, but they basically describe you know, life on other planets and, and God working in those other planets. And uh, it, it did not have an agenda at all of, of trying to open people's minds to aliens or anything. But what it did for me is just open my mind to, oh, yeah, 
right? God is really big. And who am I to think that this is the only planet that he made and where you know, people are the only things that we, that really matter. And uh, it's pretty arrogant of me to have been going along thinking that way. And, and that's kind of an idea in the church. It's a very human centric idea. And, uh, and, and I think part of that comes honestly, like we, we get that idea because, well, Jesus came and died for us. So obviously people are a really big deal, right? Like, I mean, that's, that's significant that the son of God would come and, and die for us. So I'm not at all saying that humanity is not important. Humanity is enormously important because Jesus sacrificing his life is, is bigger than we can imagine. But that doesn't mean that we're the only thing that matters, right? And so opening my mind up to just the realization that, oh, yeah, God is God is bigger. There, there could be a whole lot more than I understand or have ever thought about. And so that was really the turning point. And so then I more just opened my mind to the, the possibility that there's other stuff out there and shifted from shutting it down to at least acknowledging like, yeah, well, we don't really know. Right? It would be arrogant to think that we knew everything that God was doing in the universe. Uh, but then you, you study a little further and dig into scripture and then you see things like aliens and you think of the, well, how do you really define what an alien is or extraterrestrial and our angels aren't humans. And, and then you, then you start realizing that what we might define uh, as a, as an alien or something not of this world is very much in the Bible. And so, uh, it's something I'm still learning a lot about and and more open to learning now than I certainly was many years ago. Thanks, Dan. I think that's really helpful because I think that so many people can probably relate to that journey, that expanding perspective. And part of that with respect to what uh, Brian and I were discussing earlier, which is there's a lot more information, including very ancient information that informs these topics. So I, I, I think what I'd like to conclude just to, or, or just to wrap up and put a bow on for the listeners is if your concept of Christianity and creation and God and God's relationship with his creation is simply that there was God and the Trinity, Godhead, and that was it. And then he created Adam and, and some of these other things called angels. And some of those angels did some bad things and we call them demons. But mostly it's he created mankind and then mankind fell. And then he had to die to uh, save mankind. And we're all going to go live with him in heaven happily ever after. And there will be some angels around acting in convenient capacities and the demons will have to go to this other place called hell. And also people who don't like God can go there too. If that is your entire theology, it's not biblical. It's that's, that's a very small subset of what the Bible actually describes. And I, I think, uh, Dan, the, 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 the term you use, you know, that human centric, or you want to get fancy that anthropocentric uh, concept of of theology, which is this is really all about man. This is the story of man. We are the thing that God made, the thing that Jesus became, 
and everything we need to know about God is what he did for man. That is, so So if that's your concept, first of all, no shame on you because that is so much of what the church teaches. It's a huge amount of what the church teaches, but it is not really the biblical concept. The Bible is not about man. It's about God. And the Bible has man as a participant, both for better and for worse, and, and in many cases, an unknowing participant in a vast cosmic conflict, a massive cosmic conflict and a spiritual war with uh, entire, you know, myriads and myriads and hosts and hosts of beings that are not man and they are extraterrestrial. So Brian, feel free to comment on uh, that idea of, of anthropocentric theology and then give your best shot if you can at defining an extraterrestrial and any, anything. I mean, and I'm not, I'm not directing this conversation. I'm just kind of saying, you know, take it, take this and run with it and anything else you've been waiting patiently to say while Dan and I have talked for a few minutes. <laughs> well, sure. And somebody's got to, you know, herd the cats in this situation, right? So the man-centric idea um, basically only focuses on the fact that, you know, it's, it's hugely important that God himself did incarnate in a human. That's not, shouldn't be downplayed at all. And we're not trying to downplay that. That's, that's central to the understanding of, of our theology of Christ. And, and we know that Christ is a creator as well, right? He's part of the Trinity. And he was there in the beginning when God created all of this. And, but, and just to clarify, before somebody asks, we're also not saying that Christ incarnated as anything else beyond human. We're not saying, correct. oh, he incarnated all these right. other things and yeah, this no. story is replicating on different planets. That's not at all what we're saying. That's not biblical. But I'm just going to nip that in the bud because I know somebody's thinking that out there. Right. So sorry, Greg, go ahead. No, no, it's fine because what we have to understand is we are trying to stay grounded in Scripture. And when we talk about other extra biblical sources from 3,500 years till now from various cultures, we're not using those to supersede what the Bible says. It can help shed some light on it. But when you find clear structure in the scripture or clear direction in the scripture, text in the scripture that, that says something you, and you find something extra biblical that contradicts it, you have to go with the authority of scripture. So we're not trying to, add in things just like dan had mentioned before you know god didn't say there were aliens on other planets so you can take that in two ways one way is the way most people take it therefore there aren't any and and again when i get into the definition of extraterrestrial we're not talking about beings that evolved on some other planet okay so we'll, we'll get into that in a second the other way that you can take it is well there are no cell phones in the bible either Clearly, they do exist. So you can't make an argument from silence to say things don't exist because they weren't put in the scripture. That is not the kind of Bible that God gave us. And that's not his purpose in giving us the Bible. Just like Genesis chapter one is not a scientific treatise that should be completely and totally interpreted using the modern scientific method. So we have to understand what was the purpose of God writing that and how, how did the people that he wrote it to how did they understand it? And we have to figure out how they understood it. And we have to try to understand it in that same way to gain a better grasp of scripture as a whole. So, so you're saying that, that the, the way that people to whom original scripture was written 
is the accurate or the more accurate way to understand it versus whatever our 21st century minds have been bombarded uh, with and, and, and slanted towards. Because we are children of the Enlightenment. We're very logical in our approach. We do word parsing. We try to figure out every tiny definition and nuance of a specific word inside of a scriptural verse, whether it's in Hebrew, Aramaic, Greek, Koine, or what otherwise, right? We, we try to provide this very, very detailed um, analysis, and we like to say, this is the one true meaning of this verse. But that's not the way that the Hebrews in ancient times, all the way up through the first century, that is not how they interpreted the Bible. We talk about a method of interpretation called a hermeneutic, big, you know, $5 word. Well, the hermeneutic of Hebrews living in the first century and the couple of hundred years before that is a lot different than the hermeneutic that we apply today. You can find lots of examples of prophecy in the Old Testament where the prophecy does deal with events in the future, and it also deals with events in the present. And it's not only one interpretation. It applies in both in both themes. So you, you can't just say, well, this one is for the future, and this one was only for right then. In many cases, they're both. And if you I think start... when it comes to the prophets, you'd actually be hard pressed, except for when there's a very specific prophecy about a very specific individual with a very immediate application. I think you'd be hard pressed to find a passage of prophecy that does not have layered Correct. applications in the, the future and the intermediate future and the distant future. And if you ever get into a deep study of Revelation, which is a difficult proposition all on its own, you find that the Apostle John pulled visual or symbology and all kinds of texts from all over the Old Testament, and he doesn't cite them. And he takes different word pictures and images that were given in the prophets, like, for example, Zechariah, and then he applies them in slightly different ways with the context of Christ. So if you don't understand what was going on in the original and how the context that John's pulling them out and, and using them, it's really hard to make any kind of reasonable interpretation. So now if we talk about the word extraterrestrial, you break down the word, what does it mean? Not terrestrial, meaning not from earth. So every divine being listed in the Bible fits the definition of an extraterrestrial. In modern parlance and modern media, extraterrestrial always means something from another planet that somehow evolved up through the ages and they have their super advanced technology and they're coming down to abduct us and do other things. That's not the definition that we're, that we're using and we're going for here. The biblical definition, we have divine sons of God that he created before he created man. And then we have the three rebellions that are in the Old Testament. The first one was Adam and Eve in the garden that's listed. The second one was the sons of God visiting the daughters of men. We talked about this in the episode on Unseen Realm, creating these hybrid human divine being offspring known as the Nephilim in biblical terms and known as Apkalu in the Babylonians and uh, Anunnaki in the ancient Anasazi Indian tribes of the United States uh, area. All of those things tie together to provide you with this picture of beings that are not created for this world or from this world coming into this world and having interactions with humans for their own purposes. 
And the Bible lays out what those purposes were. And there's a lot of Dead Sea Scroll material that sheds more light and provides some deeper narratives on that from the perspective of the Second Temple Jewish um, academia, for lack of a better word, that were writing about all of these things. So when we talk about that, we're talking about beings that are not human interacting on Earth with humans and their purposes are generally not good. But if an angel came to Daniel, Gabriel, and he gave him a message and it took him three weeks to get there because of a fight he was in, that also is a visitation from an extraterrestrial for Daniel. So yes, you'll and find that's an extraterrestrial over, conflict. It's an extraterrestrial conflict, and you'll find it all over the Old Testament. And you find it in the New Testament. And when you talk about the supernatural... And I remember as a young Christian, first being introduced into church, I was in my early 20s and I was reading the Bible and my wife is in bed sleeping. I'm laying there reading my Bible and I'm reading the book of Acts and I read the story of Ananias and Sapphira. And I woke her up and I said, have you read this? Jesus died. He you know, Peter just said, you know, you, you, you didn't give the money. And, and, and all of a sudden he's just keeled over dead. And then his wife died. And I was like blown away. Here was a direct supernatural divine change in a human status immediately because of what they, you know, he, he made an oath to do one thing and he did another. And my wife grew up in the church like Dan. And I think Joel, you grew up in the church as well. And she's like, yeah, I've heard that story, you know, <laughs> yeah. For me, it was brand new as an adult. She'd heard it in Sunday school as a kid, and it loses its power to smack you in the face and say, this stuff is serious. Yeah. So anyway, that's enough about extraterrestrials and the definition. I, you well, know, if you well, want to add anything. I, I think we have, and there's a book that the three of us have read that we'll do a later episode on. Um, it's called uh, Birthright by Timothy Alberino. Um, it's a really profound book. And he has a quick, it's not super quick, but it's like a two paragraph summary of some of what we've been talking about that I think will be helpful. So if you'll bear with me, I'm just going to read this section out loud because it puts a good, it, it puts an umbrella over those things and then we can move on. And then Dan, I've got a question for you and you can add in anything else you've been thinking about. So this is from uh, Birthright, uh, chapter one of Birthright. This is, you know, very, very introductory foundational stuff to the, a lot of the the conclusions that can be drawn as you start to wrap in this this biblical concept and this, this the, theology that is not centered on man. Christians, by and large, tend to adopt an anthropocentric or human-centric perspective of the universe that places man like the axle of a wheel at the center of all things. In this view, man is both the principal protagonist of creation and its primary purpose. It's a very good alliteration there by Timothy Alberino. <laughs> all other sentient creatures in created order are ancillary characters in the story of mankind. This presumptuous appraisal of the human race has engendered a condescending attitude in the minds of many Christians and concerning their extraterrestrial elder siblings, the sons of God even demoting them to our servants, or worse, dismissing them altogether. For reasons unwarranted, the term extraterrestrial is anathema in the seminary classroom. However, a simple defi definition of the word should suffice to exercise its imagined demons. 
An extraterrestrial is a being whose provenance is not planet Earth. Notice I did not say residence. Provenance is where you come from. Residence is where you reside. It is entirely possible for beings of extraterrestrial provenance to be residing on Earth, as we shall see, a concept which necessitates the defining of another associated term, alien. Due to its inherent ambiguity, the word alien requires context. In the cosmological sense, an alien is a foreign being from an extraterrestrial world. However, generally speaking, any non-human being of advanced intelligence may be considered alien to the human species, regardless of its provenance. For example, if we should discover a race of non-human beings inhabiting the interior of our planet or a parallel dimension, we would be accurate in describing them as aliens, even though we are essentially cohabiting in the same space. With our terms thus defined, we may venture the question, do extraterrestrials and or aliens exist within the biblical paradigm? The answer is unequivocally yes. So Dan, uh, feel free to provide any additional thoughts or context on that question. And I'd also appreciate if you would give a little bit of your thoughts on what or why should the pastor of a church care about this kind of stuff? This topic and other topics we've discussed, this is weird stuff. And all of us who have a significant church background said, this is not stuff that really gets talked about much in the church. It's very, very careful. And I remember being behind the pulpit and thinking, I am a little afraid to go into some of this. And I, and I think that was right you know, to tread extremely carefully because we're, you know, we don't want to, we want to treat the pulpit with extreme dignity. But why should a pastor of a church or somebody who's teaching in a teaching authority have anything? Why should they be thinking about this stuff? And, and, and again, I'm not, I'm not in charge of this conversation, so feel free to take it any direction you like. Yeah, so I think part of the, the thing that scares people off from talking about it is the, the culture around us, uh, you know, Hollywood, movies, books, uh, has really... Uh, shaped what we think of when we when we hear the word alien or extraterrestrial, and and it's very much something uh, anti God, something uh, outside of this world that doesn't you know really answer to God, and uh, has its sights set on either taking over the human race or taking credit for you know seeding the human race or teaching the human race everything, and and. And so I think that's part of the problem is, you know, you start talking aliens, people's minds immediately go to crazy stuff like that. But why a church or a pastor of a church should should actually research this stuff and, and think about it is those very narratives that Hollywood has been priming in our minds and preparing us for may very well be a part of the, decep the deception that we see uh, at the end of the world, you know, we may very well see beings coming down, claiming credit for things that they clearly did not do. That that the it's very the consistent is, with Revelation that there are right. non-human beings directing the human race and claiming authority and status above humans, and humans falling for it. So right. very very relevant. And so I think we do a disservice when we act like, oh, there's no way aliens exist because if if something like aliens show up, 
and start making claims, a lot of even solid Christians could have their faith really rattled if they've been told their whole lives there is no such thing as aliens. And they're like, whoa, wait, there is. Not just is there, they're claiming, you know, they're claiming to have created us and they're claiming all these things that are against God. Uh, you know, that could really, really rattle the faith of a lot of people. Well, and I'll add one more thing in there. Part of the problem with a focused human-centric idea is a lot of the, the crazy stuff that happens in the Old Testament, we relegate it to the realm of myth like everyone else does. And they start thinking of the Greek gods and the Norse gods and these other beings that people used to worship in their ignorance in antiquity. And so we don't want to talk about those. But if you're a pastor... I mean, I've heard many pastors that have been in the business for a long time, and they all have stories about messages they preached early in their in their ministries that were not accurate. They thought they were at the time, and they regret them later on, and they and they kind of chuckle and say, "Well, you know, I just didn't know what I didn't know." And so, a pastor wants to teach the Bible, the whole Bible, and they want to teach the truth of what's in the Bible. And if there are whole sections of Scripture that are kind of dirty little secrets that get pushed under the rug because any rational person would laugh you out of the room, that's a problem because then you can't trust the authority of the scripture. And when someone says, like I've had people ask me the question before, do you really believe that God created the world in six days? And if I have never studied that out and have a belief in my heart as to what the scripture says, and I can back it up with scripture, and I could back it up with other things. If that's my position, I need to be able to defend it. And if it's and if I have never looked at it, I can't defend it. And then I wind up questioning. And the whole the whole interaction with this other person, instead of thoughtfully providing them with questions that they need to go look at now, they feel like, yep, there's just another nail in the coffin of why Christianity is stupid. And these people are idiots for believing all of this old stuff that is clearly not true. It's clearly myth. So that, to me, is the main reason that this stuff needs to be taught. There can't be a section of scripture that we kind of don't want to talk about because it makes us look foolish. Yeah, and I'll add something else there. Is, uh, recently, I've been to a couple of places like a creation museum. Uh, the Ark Encounter Experience in Kentucky. And, you know, those are some of the only places I've seen aliens mentioned. And at first when I saw it, my interest was piqued, like, oh, okay, what, what are they going to say here? And both times it was something very dismissive, uh, you know, about, and it was basically fighting against the narrative that aliens are, are our creators. Okay. Hopefully as a, as a Christian, none of us is going to, think that aliens could have possibly been our creators because clearly everything was made by Jesus, through Jesus, for Jesus. But in fighting against that narrative, they're also throwing out everything else that has to do with the idea of aliens. And I think that's doing people a great disservice. I, th I think you're exactly right. And I, I think if I could sum it up is the... The concept of extraterrestrials is relevant. It's relevant biblically, and it's re relevant in secular um, in the secular narrative. Now, here's the thing, and, and we've hinted at this, but I'm, I'm going to try and put some parameters around it. Say, here's what's going on with this conversation. 
So I'd kind of put it into three buckets. There's the biblical narrative, which a long time ago said, yes, of course, there are extraterrestrials and there are all kinds of descriptions of and interactions with them. And when I say extraterrestrials, I'm, I'm using the, you know, the term that we've defined in this podcast of just something that is um, not fundamentally human in its origins. And you can see several places in scripture where there's an encounter. So for example, book of judges, go look at uh, the parents of Samson. They have an extraterrestrial encounter. They have an encounter with something. And, you know, the, the wife says, uh, to her husband, I saw a man and he was like one of the gods. It's saying, I saw a man, but he wasn't a man. He was something else. And that whole encounter, if it was described in the secular narrative, would be on coast to coast radio because it it sounds like an alien encounter. And I'm not diminishing it. What I'm saying is the world has diminished that concept, especially through the evolution narrative, saying two things. And these are the other two buckets. So the first bucket is for a long time, the concept of extraterrestrials fit very neatly within the biblical paradigm. And the biblical paradigm is a very, very wide paradigm for the idea of some of, of non-human entities. It, it's There's tons of them in the Bible. And, and everybody was comfortable with that. Well, then the evolution narrative came along and it kind of said, planet Earth is a test tube. And out of that test tube, humans were produced. And there are many, many other planets, and you know, you hear this narrative all the time. And there are so many of them that out of those other planets, they are other test tubes, and other things are produced that are not human, but probably have some commonalities with human. And it's all thanks to evolution and the drivers of survival, of the fittest, etc. And at some point, the the results of one test tube are going to leave their test tube and go find this other test tube of, of planet Earth. And we're going to call those guys aliens or extraterrestrials. And we'll figure it out when it happens. And there are entire uh, genres of science fiction and beloved shows, you know, Star Wars and Star Trek and all these things that, that essentially operate on that narrative. And so what happened is the biblical narrative and so much of the church today, so much of church theology, theology, especially with creation and this topic and many of the other topics we've discussed, have been driven by a reaction against the evolutionary narrative that we have uh, caused ourselves to really be backed into a very simplistic corner, very much along the lines of what I described earlier of this very, very simplified theology where it's God and man and that's it. And then we get this third bucket which I want to call the, the, you know, thanks to the History Channel, I want to call it the Ancient Aliens uh, bucket, which is saying that those two test tubes are not exclusive. In fact, there has been historical and through ancient history, there has been a lot of interaction and these extraterrestrial beings are actually highly responsible for the, uh, the continuing evolution of man. And, uh, and, and we may have some interaction with them in the future, but when we look at the historical past, we can see some of those fingerprints, and that's why some of the, our ancient history is hard to explain without that narrative. Okay, so those are the three buckets. You have the evolution, which says aliens have been evolving on separate planets, and someday they may be showing up, and maybe there's something to do with UFOs. Then you have the ancient aliens narrative, which is, no, they've already been here, and they've been directing the evolution of man, and maybe we're already related to them. And then you have the biblical narrative, which is, God created all of these things. It has nothing to do with evolution. They've been here before. And, and the, the, you know, the, there's a reason Timothy Alberino calls extraterrestrials the elder race. They, they predate humankind. 
And they have been interacting with humankind throughout biblical history, and they're going to be interacting with humankind through, uh, through into the end times. And by the way, we're starting to see a lot of that. So that's, and, and that's why it's relevant. So those are the three buckets. Those are the, the three worldviews. And, and what I want to uh, prepare the church or our, our listeners who are in the church or who may be in the church, that what I want the church to be able to do is have a response, as Brian was describing earlier, because the secular world is going to say, if aliens, then not Bible. They're going to say, if an alien shows up, if somebody sees a UFO, well, therefore scripture is false because your, your Bible has nothing to say about this. Whereas the reality is, if the Bible is true, then we should expect to have encounters with extraterrestrial beings. And we should not let the secular world use an evolutionary perspective to drive that narrative and say, see, we told you the Bible is a bunch of bunk. You weren't created by God. Humans are nothing special. There's, they're all over and, uh, or there are other beings all over and you're just part of this vast evolutionary narrative. No, if there are things that are beyond humans, it's very much within the realm of scripture and scripture actually tells us that's going to happen. And all you have to do is read the book of revelation. So that, let's, yeah, go, go ahead, Brian. I was going to say, and that is when Dan mentioned going to the creation museum and looking at that, there's various Christian ministries that have focused on that particular aspect because there's an underlying assumption in what Joel just described. And that is if evolution is true, then there is no God. Therefore, if any of these other beings show up, well, the only way they could have gotten there was through an evolutionary process. Therefore, we have been vindicated in our belief in the theory of evolution. And any kind of a supernatural creator of the universe is just not part of the narrative. Therefore, the Bible is false because you guys defend a creation by a supernatural being instead of this evolutionary process. And, and you know what? To some extent, that's on us, Brian. When I say us, I mean the, the, the Western church because we've misrepresented the biblical narrative. I agree with you. As we described earlier, we've misrepresented it. And that's what we're trying very hard to correct here. All right. Yeah, by so, simplifying I, it, we, we destroyed it in a lot of ways. Yes, we destroy a lot. We, we, we make it very man-centric. And then if it turns out there's something besides man, then, oh no, our narrative breaks down. Well, our narrative should break down because it, we, we it wasn't wide enough and it was doing a disservice to the reality of scripture. So a couple of directions we could go here. We've talked a lot about the concept of extraterrestrials without getting very specific. Um, I'm going to stop talking for a minute, if you guys can believe it. And, and I want to hand it back to you, Brian and Dan, to say, why does this matter today? What's going on with the narrative of extraterrestrials? And why might some people have a sneaking suspicion that, yeah, I feel like I'm seeing a lot more of this lately. And it wasn't, and, and back in, you know, if I'm an 80s or 90s person, this was just kind of a joke, but it just seems like a lot more people are talking a lot more seriously about this. What What's going on with the narrative? Yeah, I, uh, I'll jump in there and, and set you up, Brian. Uh, so one thing I think is, we might look at this as Christians and be like, you know what? Christians have not been really talking about this for hundreds of years. Why, why should we all of a sudden care? And, you know, this isn't an, an issue that's critical for salvation. And it's true. It's not an issue that's critical for salvation, right? We need to, we need to know Jesus and accept him as our savior. And, uh, but this is still an important topic to know now. And in many ways, it's an important topic now, in a way that it has not been important for the last you know, 100 years ago, or really even 
long term before that. But it is important now. And, and it's important now because of things that are happening in the world and, and the deception and that we are we're clearly closer to the end times now than we were 100 years ago or we were yesterday. Just Logically, you can't be wrong time there. Works, right? <laughs> <laughs> like we, we are closer. And, and these but, things, but, it feel, but it feels a lot closer, doesn't right. it? And, and these things are stepping up and we do need to be prepared for for the a great deception that's going to come and 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 we've got to take back control of of the narrative because the bible holds the whole, the whole story and it's all in there and you know we we just hurt ourselves when we kind of whitewash it and and only pick and choose certain parts that we want to read or understand the other issue is <clears throat> You know, from a biblical narrative perspective, like when we talked in the Unseen Realm, we talk about Genesis chapter 6. We talk about these divine sons of God who rebelled. We talk about the creation of the Nephilim. Well, the Watchers, there's this whole narrative around the Watchers, and they were the ones that instigated the rebellion, more than likely. There's a whole tie-in to Mount Hermon and, and all these different things. And again, books like the Unseen Realm and and other books they deal with this in extreme depth and biblical scholarship, really. But the question that you have to ask yourself, all of those divine beings were not put into prison. They're still around. They never left. And what were they doing? They were teaching mankind how to really do bad things. They were teaching us how to make warfare on each other with more efficiency. They were teaching pharmacology. They were teaching sorcery. And that's why if you look at all of the Near Eastern, all of their religious material, they all said that these gods were good and they were teaching. And Babylon is, is a great example because we have so much detail in the Ugaritic texts. They were culture heroes. They were teaching Babylon, how to be dominant over all of their neighbors and teaching them all of these things that they didn't know before. And the only group of people in the, in the Middle East that understood these same concepts and understood these same narratives that said, no, as a matter of fact, that's all pure evil were the Hebrews. Everyone else's narrative says these were good things. And the Hebrews are like, no, this is not God's plan. This is bad. And these are these are bad beings, and you need to be careful about that. But my point is, is that a lot of those beings are still around. And I ask the question, what are they doing today? And, and even the ones that are in prison still seem to have some influence. And I'll, I'll make a very specific example of that. In the book of Enoch, you have this being who led the fall of the sons of God, who was the uh, you know the, the the band leader of the fall of the sons of God called Azazel, and it also says that those fallen sons of God were imprisoned, but the Old Testament also says that the Day of Atonement includes Azazel, and if you read the ancient Talmudic literature, Azazel was very active in that process. So some of you are going, "What the heck are you talking about, Joel?" Well, and some of you are connecting the dots, and and that's fine. This this show is for you know people of 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 all. All, all depths, and hopefully we'll get people on here at some point that are deeper than all of us. But the point is, and, and I'll, I'll throw another layer on there. It wasn't just, it's not as simple as 
there were sons of God who saw daughters of men and had Nephilim and those Nephilim, you know, maybe had some more semi-Nephilim and that's all. It's not. Dan and I did the episode on the book of Enoch. One of the things we did not talk about on the book of Enoch was in the Dead Sea Scrolls, there was a book attached to the book of Enoch called uh, the book of giants. And it's a partial book. It's a little bit fragmented, but what it says is those fallen sons of God and probably some of those early Nephilim did a ton of experiments and combined a whole lot of species and made a whole lot of things and all sorts of abominable creatures. And this is why you get the, you know, Genesis talking about Noah, take the animals onto the ark after their kind, because there were a lot of things that were not after their kinds. And if you want to get really simplistic about it, the book of Jubilees says there were not very many original kinds of animals. And maybe that informs the whole idea of uh, clean animals versus unclean animals, et cetera. Like, should we really eat pigs? You know, there, that's that's a question I have for people who are more in depth. And, and I don't mean from a religious thing. I mean, where did they come from? Did God create them or are they some weird offspring? There's a reason why a lot of their organs can be swapped in for human organs. So I'll let you all think about that over breakfast tomorrow. But the well, uh, really take a turn there, Joel. Yeah. But what, <laughs> what, here, here's what I'm getting at. Here's what I'm getting at. Our, we need to expand our perspectives on what's out there. Because God, God made creation and it's good. And, and, he, and that includes his heavenly family, the sons of God. Some of those sons of God chose to not to participate in the goodness of God anymore. And they corrupted a lot of things. And that corruption went far and wide to the extent that the entire earth had to be wiped off. But then scripture tells us the corruption continued after the earth. And here's, here's why I'm throwing this out there. If you start diving into the extraterrestrial concepts, and I, I hinted at this, by the way, at some of the Book of Enoch stuff, and some of you told me, some of you told me you were freaked out, and some of you told me you loved it, so I'll, I'll give you a little bit here. If you dive deep into the extraterrestrial concept, it's not one kind of extraterrestrial. There's a bunch. There's a few main categories and a bunch of subcategories, and, and I'm talking about the ones that are uh, that people are saying are in saucers or ships or, or whatever, you know, the highly technological ones. But you also have a whole lot of legendary material and some of it very recent and some of it very, very old about things like the Fae that are not human, not angelic, really don't like humans and come from somewhere. When I say the Fae, I mean that, you know, that fairy type realm. And if you get look into the, the Scottish and Irish literature, it's like their entire culture has that as just an absolute pillar of the reality of these other beings. And then you have, in other places, you've got Bigfoot as an example. And if you, I know some of you really enjoy the Blurry Creatures podcast as I do, and they, you know, they love to talk, they call Bigfoot the gateway drug into these conversations. Because it is, because there's so many people who are convinced of the existence of this weird creature that doesn't meet our natural definitions and must have some influence from somewhere else. And that gets people looking. And then all of a sudden they find the Bible and the sons of God narrative. And so what, what I want to get to is let's not stumble into the, the very simplistic mindset of, it's because we like putting things in boxes and this, this goes to the, the hermeneutical approach that Brian described earlier. Let's not get into this, this very narrow-minded mindset of Bible says sons of God and Nephilim and everything that we see or talk about thereafter, whether it be extraterrestrial, terrestrial, alien, flying saucer, 
whatever has to meet that definition, fall into one of those two buckets. No, that's not true. It's not biblical. In the Bible, you have creatures like satyrs and Lilith and these weird creatures that we try to translate into human or sorry, into English versions of our Bible of, you know, the screaming creatures from the islands. And we say, okay, well, that must be jackals because they howl. Well, no, it says screaming creatures from the islands. We have planets discussed in scripture. We have in Revelation says the abyss opens and you have these scorpion creatures that come out and torment men for five months. The Bible scope of what's out there is extremely wide. And I don't want us in our arrogance of Western Christian theology and our scientific classification arrogance to say, we can drive everything down into a few buckets. So that's my rant on that. <laughs> that let me, let me we're, we're always trying to classify everything and say, it's this, it's A, B, or C, and that's it. Yeah. A couple of things to throw onto that pile. Well, obviously this episode is the episode where we just open up a bunch of rabbit holes that we can pursue later. But one thing that Joel mentioned before talking about Azazel from the book of Enoch, lest you think it's only in the book of Enoch, Azazel is the word used when we talk about the idea of the scapegoat where the high priest put the sin and it said it is for Azazel. Azazel represented everything that was chaotic and the wilderness. And there's all kinds of things that go along from a philosophical and a narrative perspective in the Hebrew mind about the wilderness and what that all means. There's a huge amount of study you can do in the Old Testament about the wilderness. And it's no coincidence that Jesus went to the wilderness and was tempted by Satan in the wilderness. There's the idea of the sea, and that has to do with chaos and all of these concepts that the, they the, weave the through the Old Testament. the dragon of the sea, the Leviathan yeah. of the sea, yeah, the great Leviathan, dragon of the yeah. deep, the, the beasts of the deep, the monsters of the deep, which is replete in, in the Old Testament. And those are all chaos. And that's why when God divided in creation, he told us that he created the dry land and he divided the waters and he said they can come no farther. God was imposing order through creation. And every successive day of creation, he imposed more order on the material universe that he was creating. So we have all of these different narratives that can come in, and there's a lot of material, and it takes a while to work your way through it. And that's, I think, part of the purpose of this podcast is to kind of give people direction to help work through some of these different narratives. But we're going to get into... Like Joel mentioned, you know, there's all these different kinds of creatures that have been named. And, and when you look at modern UFO literature, you have three or four uh, types of extraterrestrials that keep coming up. And they have the grays and the whites and you have this, that and the other. And it all fits within that broad scope that Joel laid out in the narrative yeah, of got, scripture. You got the reptilians, you got the mantids, you've got the grays, you got the Nordics and you've got the long nose you got all kinds of stuff in there. And, and, and there's a lot of material around all of them. The, and before I took a hard left turn into, uh, you know, these creatures that we're familiar with, I want to get back to secularly in the news. Why are we talking about this? Because there's been a lot of incredible development. So, so let me, let me just frame this briefly. The concept of extraterrestrials from a, a purely secular standpoint has been around 
um, both in myth and legend, et cetera, as long as any ancient culture has been around in any modern culture. You cannot find a culture that has nothing with this. And I mentioned that with the Fey and the Celtic and Scott, you know, the some of that literature. You, you really, and if you go to uh, the Russian concept, you have the the Domovoy, the Vyerovoy, you have the Rusalkas, you know, those are that's the concept of mermaids. Like that's ubiquitous. You even have the the witch creature with a pointed hat riding a broom across like five different continents, you have consistency there. So you have these very consistent concepts. The modern idea of when we say ETs, think Steven Spielberg, ET, etc., really started to take off in the late 1940s with this um, little event called Roswell and continued into uh, the, you know, developed into the flying saucer narrative, the UFO narrative, and then I think it was late fifties when you had the um, Barney and Betty Hill um, abduction scenario, which got a lot of press. And for those of you who have no idea what I'm talking about, you're in for a treat. There's a ton of information out there. And so well, you had this project entire, blue book, project, project blue book from the air force that started in the fifties, I believe, and went all the way up into the eighties. And the reason why you had that was because everybody was aware that there was this UFO phenomena and, we kept seeing strange flying things in the sky. And and for those of you who think I'm just falling off in the margins, like this was mainstream. It was mainstream, not as, as folklore. It was mainstream because it was in the news. It was in the news like giant bones were in the news in the late 19, 19th century. I mean, it was, it was it was common. And then through some very clever maneuvering, the 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 modern narrative, you know, directed primarily by some very consolidated uh, Department of Education and, uh, and, and news outlets kind of just steered us into none of that exists. And that was a very directed steering where the Air Force went from acknowledging to saying, nope, doesn't exist. And the Navy went from acknowledging saying, no, it doesn't exist. And people went from talking about extraterrestrials and flying saucers and all this stuff to saying, no, it's silly. And anybody who talks about that is absurd. And so it got very, very quiet for a while. But the reports of people seeing them and encountering them and the entire abduction narrative just continued to escalate, 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 escalate. And for a, a period of many years, on in terms of official acknowledgement, there was nothing but denial and ridicule of the entire subject. And that is what pretty much all of us have grown up with. With you know, being saying, oh, that's a that that's like Bigfoot. You know, you can deny ridicule. You take it seriously. You're risking your career. If you're an academic, nobody's going to take you seriously. There's no study. There's no funding. There's nothing for any of this. But meanwhile, all these people kept having these experiences, and the case study, which is not in the tens or the dozens or the hundreds or the thousands, but the tens of thousands of case studies on UFO sightings, not to mention abduction scenarios, and that's a whole another topic, a whole nother rabbit hole will go down, continue to just pile and pile and pile. And very recently, very, very recently, and I mean in the last three to five years, and part of it, you know, you get things like the ancient aliens stuff that was supposed to be one season on the History Channel, but took off because so many people relate to it. You get this slow moving surge of legitimacy. And to the point where you have very official portions of the U.S. government now saying, yeah, this is a thing. It's kind of been a thing. 
we have video. Some of it's been released. It, there was a New York Times article in 2017 that said, "Here is a here's a video of a of uh, aviators tracking UFOs in their gun sites, and it's doing incredible things, and and it's definitely not of Earth." And then you get the uh, the UAP and the Department of Defense study and Lou Elizondo and these guys coming out. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, I mean, these guys were, they were interviewed on Tucker Carlson and Tucker Carlson asked these guys, does the United States government have crashed UFO material? And the answer on national TV was yes. Yes, they do. And it's not of this earth. So Brian, I know you're bursting with stuff to say, go Uh, for it. Well, in a way I want to jump back to, the topic you raised a little bit ago when we're talking about all these creatures, because this directly relates to something that is constantly in our news feeds today. And that is genetics, right? We have genetic manipulation. We have, we're creating new kinds of creatures. We're cloning things in the lab. We are literally just like Jurassic park. You know, they're pulling viable blood samples out of supposedly 85 million year old bones. And they're able to, to culture these things in the lab and do all these genetic modifications. And there's a whole series of science fiction literature related to modifying humans to become better than they were created in the first place, right? And to solve problems, get rid of disease and do all of these things. This is the exact same narrative that the Babylonians claim they were given by the gods, this kind of information, this kind of knowledge. And there's, creation of all these weird beings it sounds like genetic experiments so genetics is how we would characterize it today in a modern scientific terminology but just like we've been breeding different kinds of dogs for thousands of years well what is that that's manipulation of genetics it's just not as direct as going into a cell and changing the mitochondrial dna or splicing in different dna sequences in different orders in order to see what happens or the mRNA. <gasps> oh, yeah, the mRNA. There you go. You can't the, say that. We're going to get demonetized from all the the, the zero dollars we're raking. Yeah, in. yeah. We're monetized? Okay. <laughs> no, so, no. but that's what my point is, is that the, the narrative in the ancient world was that these beings were providing technology and information to human beings. And I have to ask the question, did they ever stop? And when you get into some of the narratives that some of the names and some of the, the things that Joel mentioned that you may or may not have ever heard of, there's, there's all these documents that have been declassified related to these beings having meetings with U.S. and Canadian officials and trading technology. Now, I don't know if all that's true or not. My point is, is those are the kind of things that we're going to talk about. Um, as this goes on, because it is in the news, it is something that's pertinent today. And you've got people that say you shouldn't ever mess with a human genome. That's evil. And other people are like, this is the next next phase of humanity is creating things that are better than humans. So yeah. I'll just leave the, that the Uber munch. Yeah. Alone. So Dan, I'm going to give you just a, a quick chance here because Brian and I get worked up and we get heated and we interrupt each other to get the next point in and you tend to be politely in the background. So I want to give you a chance before, before I run with whatever I was thinking about, which I'll remember in a second here. Um, 
what 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 are you thinking about the modern narrative of UFO? Like, what what have you been seeing where you've been thinking, wow, this is really changing. This is heating up. This is really relevant. Whereas when you were growing up, it was just all a joke, and it's it's just not a joke anymore. Yeah, yeah. There's certainly things out there that you're seeing in the news that even the government's admitting that there's not really answers for. And, uh, you know, there's, there's all sorts of different theories on, on why they would say that some, and you can go all sorts of different directions. Uh, so I'm, I'll just take this opportunity to, to not answer your question, but to, to point please, it back. Please, please do <laughs> go for it. I, again, yeah. I am not in charge of this. I'm just here. So, so I'm just thinking about the listener who's, who's hearing all this and their mind is spinning and thinking, you know, nothing I've ever been taught is true and, and having everything thrown up in the air and, and reevaluating everything they believe. And I just want to call you back to this is some some crazy stuff to think about, but do not let it distract you from Jesus, right? Don't let it distract you from who he is. Don't let it distract you from who he's calling you to be. Don't let it distract you from the Great Commission and going and, and spreading his name and making him known. Uh, don't let it distract you from loving God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and loving your neighbors yourself. So wh- wherever your mind is going with all that, you know, there, it's a lot to learn. It's a lot that is important to know and it is important to know what's what's coming and why transhumanism is not a good thing. And we do need to be aware of those things now more than ever. But do not let it distract you from from Jesus and who he is and what he's calling you to be. And Dan, I, I really appreciate you bringing that back to the forefront because everything we're talking about, this does not make the gospel less relevant. It makes it infinitely more relevant and more urgent. The The salvation by the blood of Christ is so critical. And as we continue in this podcast and talk about some of the topics I know we're going to get into, salvation by the blood of Christ starts to take on an extremely practical meaning because there are alternatives that are going to come up in the end times and are already starting to rear their heads. And I don't mean that from a uh, political perspective. I just mean from a very, very practical perspective of what do we see developing and how does the enemy work and, and what's going on in the world. I, w- I want to throw a little bit more of an exclamation point on just the idea that this extraterrestrial narrative is not a joke. And I, I often say there are two kinds of people when it comes to the idea of aliens, UFOs, extraterrestrials, abductions, etc. There are the people who laugh it off, dismiss it, or refuse to discuss it. And then there are the people who have done a moderate amount of effort of trying to see why people are talking about it, a moderate amount of research and who take it very seriously because the amount of research out there is, is uh, unbelievable and it just doesn't get covered. And it certainly doesn't get covered in the academic sense, but it doesn't mean it's not there. So for those of you who want something a little bit more practical on that, I commend you to the work of uh, Timothy Alberino who came up earlier, I commend you to the work. And when I say I commend you to, I mean, it's worth looking into. I don't mean it's gospel. It's not. A lot of these guys are secular. Timothy Alberino is not, but some of these guys I'm going to mention are secular and some of the ladies as well. 
I commend you to um, Bud Hopkins. I commend you to Carla Turner. I commend you to Dr. David Jacobs. I commend you to Richard Dolan. Richard Dolan is a, a great thinker in this area, an extremely relevant guy who has, uh, he has, um, fi- he, he's developed a systematic um, compendium of the reports that are in the tens of thousands of these UFO encounters. And he's an historian. And what he does is he explains, you know, the, the political aspects of this. So if you're interested in, Joel, give me something like super relevant of like, why should I take this seriously? Go look up Richard Dolan on the Davis Wilson notes. The reason why that's important is because these are extremely high government officials who were having extremely specific conversations about reverse engineering of alien craft, et cetera, and uh, bodies of extraterrestrials within government circles and much more importantly within private circles. And there were people who were attending these meetings who were taking very specific notes. And these are not nobodies. We're talking, you know, people extremely high up in the Department of Defense. This gets into uh, former astronauts like Edgar Mitchell and people of, ex- of the highest credibility who are saying, yeah, this happened. I was there. Here are the notes. Now, I'm, I'm not saying Edgar Mitchell was there, but Edgar Mitchell had possession of some of this stuff. And that, that's part of the nuances of the story. It's, it's, a, it's an incredible story of people of this stuff that leaks out that goes, wait a second, what exactly is going on? And I can't tell you exactly what's going on, but I can tell you a sense of what's going on. A sense of what's going on is all those decades between the 1950s and the 2020s, which is it's literally about how long it was while all this was treated like a joke. The, the deep state was not treating this stuff as a joke. They were taking it very, very seriously. And that stuff is starting to come out. And that's part of why we're getting the Department of Defense and Congress issuing actual, you know, real relevant discussion on these topics. And nobody's saying it doesn't exist. They're all saying it absolutely exists, but they're lying through their teeth about how much they know in many cases. And I don't mean everybody in Congress. Most people in Congress don't know anything more than you or I know, and in many cases, probably less. But there are a handful of people whose names you probably don't know and whose names we might never know who have been very involved in this for a long time. And that's that's not a that's not a conspiracy. That's just how that's just how the most important projects in our government work. And for those of you who say, oh, that secret couldn't be kept, well, I'll point you to to the Manhattan Project, the entire development of the nuclear bomb, which required entire an entire sub-civilization of American people that nobody knew about for a while, and the secret was absolutely kept. So this is on that order of importance and being treated very similarly. And a lot of it is through private companies and not through the government. So that's the tinfoil hat portion of this podcast. Some of you live for that and some of you would prefer to skip it. But I want to put it out there and say, look, we're we're not making stuff up. This this is real. This is legitimate. And if you've been following it for a while and follow the most uh, the most relevant sources, then there's more than enough overwhelming evidence out there. And you can bury your head in the sand and say, no, I don't want to talk about it. I like my Sunday school version of the Bible. Or you can be a pastor at a church that says, no, I just want to talk about the things I'm comfortable with. And if somebody comes to me and says they saw a UFO, then I have no answers for them. And to Brian's point, you know, you're going to lose them because it's relevant. Or you can say, wait a second, maybe there's more out there than I knew. Maybe, and, and I went through this process, by the way, guys, I didn't, 
I didn't grow up thinking about this stuff. There was a process of getting to what's really out there. And what we're trying to show you with this episode, this introduction to extraterrestrials is the Bible is bigger than all of this. And Jesus Christ in the gospel is bigger than all of this. There's nothing in the gospel that is not, or, or there's nothing that we're discussing today where the gospel does not have some relevance. It's relevant across the board. The gospel message is extremely relevant in this entire discussion. And this entire discussion is extremely relevant today. And we'll just say it now, it's becoming increasingly relevant. And it's going to become increasingly relevant through the end times. Look at the book of Revelation. You cannot disconnect what we're talking about today from the entire world being consolidated into one world religion with extra human entities being in charge. You just can't. So we got to talk about it and we got to know what's going on. Brian, I know you've got stuff to say. Well, I mean, the main point that I would just follow on with that is that, in fact, God being who we believe God is and the description of of the Godhead in the scriptures and all of that that goes into it, it has to be relevant if it's true. You can't take certain parts of the Bible and decide that this isn't true anymore. And I know that there's lots of what, what they like to call higher criticism of the Bible, which really means trying to figure out ways to make it not true. But the higher critics will often say, well, this is just a myth or this is just a story. Uh, this wasn't, you know, history, even though it was written in a histor historical narrative form. And the people that wrote it and the people that consumed it when it was written, they believed that it was real history. And it's only in our jaded 20th century, you know, post-enlightenment, post-modern minds that we can basically dismiss thousands of years of other people's narratives and understandings about the universe and just say, well, they were all ignorant and superstitious. It just doesn't make any sense when you look at the Egyptians creating things like the pyramids and then you find pyramids of similar construction all over the world with groups that had no uh, Congress with each other, as far as we know. And there's just so many questions that you can dive into and so many rabbit holes that you can go down. But the Bible, I mean, I became a Christian as, as a young man. I did not grow up in a Christian home. I didn't have any Christian upbringing whatsoever. And I like to tell people I grew up in a moose lodge. And if you don't know what a moose lodge is, go look it up. Um, when I, I was into the occult, I was into looking into other religions. And the thing that really struck me about Christianity was the only religion that said people are sinful and that sin is a thing that is endemic in our race. And we are not good at our core. We need we need help. We need a savior. We need something beyond us to bring us out of that sin nature. No other religion had that. And when you look around the world and you meet people and you look at yourself, especially yourself, you see that, yes, in fact, that is true. And it's what informs my whole worldview and makes me understand, yes, this scripture is true. God's preserved it. 40 different authors, 66 books across 2,500 years, the, and the narrative that weaves through it is so consistent. It's just, it literally is a miracle in every sense of the word. 
So the fact that it is true, then we can't have a bunch of things coming to us in narrative form from the media, from other people that are atheists or or other kinds of agnostic or you, you name it, basically telling us you're wrong. And if we haven't studied it and understand the scope of the Bible, we don't have an answer. We have to have an answer. We have to be able to have conversations with people and show them the scripture is actually true. And if you put your trust and your faith in it, it's not going to steer you wrong. It's going to open up your eyes to what's going on, and it's going to prepare you for a lot of really crazy things that are going to happen in the probably not too distant future. Okay. I, I think, yeah, I, th I think that's uh, profound and helpful. So thanks for sharing that, Brian. And I'll add another, I'll, I'll shadow it by saying you can pick any one of these topics and start going down the rabbit hole and you're going to arrive at the greater narrative of scripture. Here's what I mean by that. When you look at and start doing the heavy research, and I don't mean the tinfoil hat research, I mean the documented research. And we talked about, you know, Jack Parsons and JPL and this stuff. That's just known stuff. All these convergences of these, these, uh, these known documented narratives. And you start documenting the secular attempts to try and move into any extraterrestrial realm, what you're going to find is a cult, as you mentioned, Brian, a cult, black magic, black ritual, uh, and ritualistic Satanism. They all arrive there. And the reason why they all arrive there is because it's ultimately a, a, a spiritual narrative. You're going to find demonism, and, and that comes directly back to the Nephilim narrative. And you're going to find, you know, very, very smart people who come at this from extremely secular points of view that are saying, yeah, those, those old stories of, you know, extraterrestrials having interactions with humans and having offspring, which is again, true in every ancient narrative. And just because the Bible says it doesn't mean it copied it. The Bible's the, 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 the authoritative narrative of all of those everybody comes to the same conclusion. You can't go down the rabbit hole in any of these areas without coming back to the biblical narrative. That's why, you know, the, the blurry creatures podcast says, Oh, Bigfoot's a great, the gateway drug. You want to figure out, you want to start learning about Bigfoot. You want to go down that rabbit hole. Guess what? You're going to spend, be spending a lot of time in Genesis and Job and Psalms and then in revelation. And it, and what it does is it informs who we are, where we come from, what's going on, that it's bigger than humanity, that Jesus is bigger than we thought, the gospel is bigger than we thought, and we have a, and our role in all of this is more exciting and profound than anything we could possibly have imagined, which, by the way, is what Paul's been trying to tell us all along in his epistles. I mean, all he makes all these hyperbolic statements of, no, you don't get it. It's bigger than that. It's better than that. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. And he starts listing all these things with you no know, height, depth, angels, demons, powers, principalities. We're like, what are you talking about, Paul? Well, he knew stuff we didn't know. And now we're starting to get a sense of what he's talking about. And, and he says, and that and that's one area, I'm quoting that Romans 8-ish kind of you know bad paraphrase there, but there's so many areas where he goes, you don't understand what you're up against. It's way bigger than you think. And Christ is way more important than you think. You know, go read Colossians 1, 1 through 15, if you're worried about that. So I, I just echo what Dan's saying and what Brian's saying, that it's it's not different. It's not a bunch of different uh, 
uh, strands going off into the ether. It's grab onto any one of these strands and you're going to come back to the gospel of Jesus Christ and the narrative of Holy Scripture and go, oh, th- this is where it all makes sense. This is where I, this is where everything has a place. And this is where it tells me, by the way, here's where it's going. So we're about at time here, guys. And and um, and that's pretty good for having the three of us in here. Um, I want to give both Dan and Brian a chance to wrap up with any uh, concluding thoughts. And then we'll uh, wrap this up and consider this your introduction, you know, of the slightly deep end, but we haven't gone way into the deep end of uh, extraterrestrials from a biblical perspective. So, um, Dan, I'll, I'll hand it to you first. I'm not trying to put a spotlight on you. Just anything that you want to put a bow on of uh, of the conversation we've had so far, anything that you meant to mention that we haven't or uh, that you want to encourage the listeners with. Yeah. So when, you, you know, Joel mentioned that list of, of these different people that you can go read their stories or their books. And by the way, that was off the top of my head. I'm sure I left yeah. 20 good ones out, but there, that was yeah. just the ones that came off the top of my head. So, so quite a few of those, if not most of them are not Christians and, and you know, like stated, not Christians. And it's interesting when you, when you read what they have to say or listen to them talk, and you can kind of see them trying to figure out what all this means and what it's about. And when you're sitting there listening to it from a biblical biblical perspective, it, it makes a lot more sense in the narrative of the Bible than if you're trying to, if you're looking at these things and try to piece them together and fit them into a, a worldview that is not biblical. Uh, because the, the Bible has so much more to, to say about uh, everything that God created and where it's going, what it's for. And, and, and so in a, in a weird way, most, you know, most of these, most of the research that's been done in this area has not been done by Christians because Christians typically shy away from it for the reasons we've already discussed. But even the non-Christian people talking about it, you, you, you see them, how, how they, you, you you just want to reach out and talk to them like, hey, listen, if you could see this from the biblical perspective, what you're saying would make a lot more sense. And so, you know, continue reading the stuff and and always you know, go to these things, but always always bring it back to scripture, always bring it back to the Bible, and always always bring it back to to Jesus and who He is, and and that He is who He said He is, and you are who you say you are. And I'll and- leave it with that. And Dan, I, that's so relevant. I just want to give people a place to hang their head. If you want to see that in action, I, maybe we can find this link or dig it up, but go find Richard Dolan interviewing Timothy Alberino. Timothy Alberino, who's a, a, a Jesus-loving, gospel-understanding, Bible-preaching Christian who's extremely well-informed in these areas, speaking with Richard Dolan, who's a very smart, secular guy, who's also very well-informed in these areas, but doesn't have the biblical context watch that conversation and watch Richard Dolan's mind just get blown as he goes, oh, wow, I never thought of it that way. You're connecting things that I didn't know could be connected. You're bringing ancient narratives that actually explain stuff I've been trying to explain for a long time. And any Christian who's informed of this stuff is like, yes, that's what I've been trying to say all along. The Bible explains this stuff if you are willing to do the work to kind of get your fingernails dirty and figure it out. It will inform and bring answers to. And that's what we're trying to do here is equip the church with this conversation so that when 
the when these questions come up, as they're going to continue to come up in the secular narrative, we can tell people, look, come to scripture, come to Christ. You're going to find your answers here. And by the way, here's here's some of the immediately relevant stuff that you're looking for. And the reason why that's so important, brothers and sisters, is that Jesus says in the last times, there's going to be a huge number of people that are deceived. And the Bible says they're deceived for their lack of knowledge. They didn't know what they're talking about. And so they got deceived. They didn't do the homework. They didn't understand their, their Bibles. They, you know, they had a bunch of platitudes and not a lot of scripture on their mind. But if you really know scripture, it's going to be a lot harder for the enemy to deceive people who really know and understand their Bibles and understand the gospel. They're going to have a much less likely, a much lower likelihood of being deceived in the end times. So, uh, Brian, uh, take it away with your final thoughts, put a bow on some things and we'll wrap up here. Yeah. So you're going to, if you dive into some of the stuff and you're watching YouTube videos and whatever, you will see a lot of people who, who do not claim to be Christians, meaning they do not take the scripture as a divinely inspired authoritative work by the creator of the universe. They take it as another ancient narrative alongside other ancient narratives that has some interesting things that they can pull out of it. So it doesn't mean that everything they say is wrong or you should dismiss it out of hand. What it means is that chew the meat and spit out the bones, understand what they're saying and what they're trying to apply from scripture and do, if you've been in the church for any amount of time, you've heard the term or the phrase be like the Bereans. And what did they do? Paul was preaching and teaching and the Bereans were searching the scriptures for everything he said to make sure that it was true. So when you, read these things and you do these things, that's what you want to do. And two of the names that we've mentioned multiple times, Dr. Michael Heiser and Timothy Alberino, both of them are Christians. They love Jesus. They, 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 they believe in the gospel and they follow it with their whole hearts, but they don't always agree. Dr. Heiser on a few occasions has not had very kind things to say about Timothy Alberino because Timothy Alberino is very much more creative in his application of this knowledge. And Dr. Heiser is a biblical scholar. He's an expert in ancient Hebrew. And he is going to this strictly from what does the narrative actually say? What can it say? And let's not try to imagine too much about what it doesn't say. Whereas Timothy Alberino will also kind of explode the narrative a little bit more. And I would say that if you want to be grounded in this topic, you need to, you need to read both of those guys. You need Al- to get Alberino, a Alberino telescopes and Heiser microscopes. Exactly. But so. from a biblical scholarship perspective, you're not going to find much better than Michael Heiser. I've, I've not found anything better. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we did a and, whole and, episode on him for a reason. And and then we have Pember that we also talked about. Joel did a, a I think it was the first episode um, on his book from 18, what, what, what year was it? 1876. Yeah. It's a theological book and you should, should read that, right? These are the things that, I, that we need to do and always be careful to say, you know, what does scripture say about this and what can I understand about this within the narrative of scripture? We don't want people going outside of that narrative because we believe that the biblical narrative encompasses all of these things. And just like Dan said, and Joel said, it puts it in a framework that actually makes sense. And it's, it's mind blowing in a lot of ways. 
So that's we haven't all even I've touched on uh, Velikovsky yet. We'll get there eventually. I was going to mention. Other... <laughs> I was going to mention him, but I, I thought we'd leave that. We'll do worlds in collision bread, or something. Breadcrumbs. Breadcrumbs. Yeah. <laughs> Let me, I, I'm going to tell a very very quick story, and then we'll wrap it up. And um, thank you, Brian and Dan, for for being here. You've added so much to this conversation. I know you'll continue to. By the way, we'll probably have some more co-hosts joining in for different episodes. You know, we'll try to bring in subject matter experts from some some stuff that I have in mind. I'm not making any promises because I don't know. I'm just, I just have ideas and some threads of conversations going. So keep listening. I want to tell a quick narrative. Um, many months ago, maybe over a year ago, I'm not exactly sure. I was, I wound up and I'm not going to explain how, but wound up in a conversation with a practicing medium, practicing medium or witch. And uh, she was talking about some of these things more with respect to uh, the Fae and some of the not necessarily, she's not so much a UFO, you know, secularly a UFO expert or an alien or extraterrestrial expert as she is of some of the ancient mythological creatures and claims to be able to be, have some psychic abilities, et cetera. And in our conversation, I was starting to show like, hey, the stuff you're talking about is in the Bible. And she said, I don't know anything about the Bible. But you know what? Jesus Christ is the most powerful spirit I've ever met. And I said, wow, I wasn't expecting her to say that. You know, she's a secular person in a lot of ways. She goes, yeah, I don't know what the Bible says. I've never read it. But one time my son was dying and I was an addict and uh, and my son was dying of a, a congenital heart failure problem. And I had a drug problem. And I talked to Jesus and I said, if you'll heal my son, I'll never do drugs again. And he healed my son and I never did drugs again. And she said, so yeah, I don't know anything about the Bible, but Jesus is the, the most powerful spirit I've ever met and I owe him everything. So, you know, put that in your Sunday school pipe and smoke it. I don't know what to do with that exactly. I think she's saved. I don't, I don't know. And we had a good you know, conversation and, um, but what that goes to show is Jesus is doing stuff and that we never thought of. And he's affecting people in ways that we are, to, of, of which we culturally, you know, we, the collective, we, you know, the many of us who have kind of grown up in the church or have church Sunday school type perspectives on things. Think about when um, scripture indicates that Jesus preached the gospel to some beings that were not necessarily human and I say indicates because I'm not taking a hard line there. The gospel is really good news for we humans, but really bad news for some others. But that that compassionate approach to people who don't have the, the background or the understanding of these things, but may know some things that you don't, I, mean, I, go, I definitely go so far as to say that that medium, that, that or let's just say that, that uh, beloved uh, creation of God that I was talking to, she... She knows some stuff I don't, partly because there's some stuff that I should be ignorant of, that she's not ignorant of, that's some stuff that I shouldn't know. But Christ still managed to get a hold of her. And I don't, I'm not making a judgment on her heart, but Christ is relevant everywhere in every conversation um, with every type of being. So I'll, I'll wind it down with that. Um, Brian or Dan, any burning thing that you want to say before we go ahead and wrap it up or sign off? Anything you want to say to our audience as we, as we, uh, move this one along here? Just ask me sometime about the Ouija board story. 
Other than that, okay. we're good. Breadcrumbs. Breadcrumbs. <laughs> we'll, uh, in a future episode, we're going to hear Brian's Ouija board story. Dan, anything else? Any Anything for the audience? No. I can't, I can't even follow that one. <laughs> you can't follow a lot of what I say, not because it's profound, but because it's hard to, it's hard to follow. So, like I say, it's a circus up here. You know? so. All right. I, I love you guys. Uh, thanks very much for um, doing, the, you know, just, just the fun of doing this episode together. It's so much fun. Um, again, I, I just want to remind those of you, you know, all you listeners, we're, we're being, um, fast and loose with some of this stuff, not because we don't care, but because we um, are enjoying the platform of that's a little less serious than the pulpit. We're still trying to not, we're still trying to be careful with what we say, but just putting more out there and, um, and enjoying not having that heavy, heavy responsibility of directly leading and shepherding a church body and just saying, no, we're, we're going to have some conversations and we want it to be good. We want it to be edifying. So you know, before God, forgive us for the places that were wrong. I guarantee you there are many. There's a lot we don't know that we're trying to connect dots and put things together, but ultimately we're pointing you towards scripture and Christ, which are not wrong. We're not pointing you towards ourselves or our own ideas. So hopefully we get some some grace there. But uh, we're so grateful for all of you listeners and all of you who have been encouraging about uh, our continued work in these podcasts. We're so thankful. We're so grateful. Um, please do share. If you're getting a lot out of this, then there's a lot of people you know who should be having the opportunity to um, hear and think about this kind of material. Right? And hopefully it emboldens you to expand the, the horizons of your conversations with others, both believers and unbelievers. Uh, we're seeing God do great things and we're encouraged and having a great time with this. And we, we, we present and we, and we pray before these episodes. We present these episodes to to God say, hey, this is this is us. We're trying to be used for the edification of your church. We're giving what you've given us so far with the minds you've given us and the materials and the background you've given us. And that's the best we can do. So uh, be kind to each other out there. Be gracious to each other out there. Uh, bring everything, as, as Brian said, you, know, you be Berean, bring everything back to scripture. And uh, don't be afraid. There's nothing to be afraid of when you belong to Christ. So. We love you guys, and we look forward to joining you in the next episode.